Life Audio. Welcome to the Homeschooling Families Podcast. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. We talk a lot about the Great Commission and the gospel here at Teach Them Diligently. And we even go so far as to say things like, your home is your Jerusalem and the Great Commission begins at home. Well, today, David and I are going to work those ideas out a little bit for you and give you some very practical ways to incorporate these principles into your daily life. We pray that God uses this mightily in homes all around the world. Before we dive in, I wanted to tell you about some wonderful discipleship resources that actually open doors for powerful gospel conversations. We all know that reading aloud is a great way to build relationships and to make memories as a family. But when you choose excellent literature with a biblical theme running through it, you'll find the impact of that time to be even greater. So I wanted to tell you about our friends at Lamplighter Ministries. Producing books and audio dramas of high quality with an emphasis on character development, biblical insights, and skilled craftsmanship is an integral part of Lamplighter Ministries, guided by the mission to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. As noted in Luke 117, Lamplighter Ministries is passionate about building Christ-like character one story at a time. Through the mystery and adventure of Lamplighter stories, the framework of character development is formed and the pursuit of excellence is cultivated. The dominant theme of hope is illustrated by characters who persevere in adversity, being fully convinced that nothing is impossible with God. You can learn more about these great resources at teachthemdiligently.net forward slash Lamplighter Ministries. I also invite you to listen to a podcast I recorded with Mark Hamby, who's the founder of Lamplighter Ministries, all about wisdom. It was fantastic. So I'll include that link in the show notes below. Now, after a brief break, David and I are going to dive right into our conversation about how the Great Commission begins at home. David, this really is a topic that has been foundational for us, honestly, since the very beginning of Teach Them Diligently. Well, I mean, we, I'm sure many people know that Teach Them Diligently actually started out of a mission board. And the mission board is worldwide tent makers to prepare, promote, and place self-supporting witnesses worldwide. And when we started Teach Them Diligently, it was a very natural thing for us to say, well, if we're going to do this, it needs to be about the gospel. And so we intertwined into Teach Them Diligently gospel messaging and real simple. I mean, parenting and discipleship go together the same way. I mean, homeschooling should go together with the gospel as well. And so it was a very natural thing for us to just kind of bring it in. And so that's, you know, you talk about the gospel, you talk about the Great Commission, and that's where this phrase of your home is your Jerusalem actually was drawn from. Yeah. And so that's kind of the where all that kind of developed. Yeah. And I want us to get really practical here in just a minute. You and I were talking earlier about several things that that families can actually incorporate, like practical things to make sure that they are infusing the gospel into their home, that they are being good stewards of this precious treasure that we've all been given. But I want to back up before we do that. Let's talk a little bit about terms, because I don't ever want to make the assumption that when we throw around Christian terms, that everyone understands that we've got 
people who listen in from a variety of different backgrounds. And and so I think it's really important that we talk about what exactly we mean. So what exactly is the gospel? Well, I mean, the gospel is good news, right? That's that's really the simplify way to bring it. You have the Old Testament is actually looking forward to Jesus Christ coming. And then the New Testament is about Jesus Christ and his impact on us and on the world and really the future world as well. And so the entire book of the entire Bible is about Jesus Christ. And so when you say the good news, when you say the gospel, it is this idea of heralding. It is presenting. It is yelling on a street corner screaming out loud this it's this is what has happened and it is screaming it as if it's good news it's not like a warning it's good news yeah i actually i was flipping through my bible yesterday morning going to where i was going to read i'm studying paul's books this year just really deep diving in it's been an awesome study i'm sure 365 members are getting dribbles of that every month in my monthly uh video to them but as i was flipping past mark i saw a, a note that was so so timely because i have a note the book of mark starts with quote the beginning of the gospel of jesus christ the son of god that's the first verse in mark and i have a note that talks about how that Greek word evangelion, if you're a Greek scholar and I mispronounce that, I apologize, but evangelion means good news. And that isn't a specifically Christian term. Like you were noted, that was used throughout the first century to herald good news. For us as believers, the good news really is foundational to our faith. That good news that we are heralding is that Jesus Christ came to earth. He is the son of God. He lived a sinless life. He showed us how to, to react and to how to deal with situations. He then, in his amazing goodness, laid down his life when he died on the cross, but he didn't stay there. Three days later, he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death. And he now is at the right hand of God, as we see in Hebrews, interceding for us. So that good news, Ephesians tells us that our salvation, that salvation that Jesus came to give us is through grace and faith alone. And that is the good news that we want to herald far and wide. So the the gospel actually involves, you know, it's 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 got some layers to it. And, I, you know, it's still very simple. But when you're talking about the gospel, you're talking about the fact that Jesus Christ was foretold. You're talking about the life that Jesus Christ lived, that it was perfect. And then you're talking about that he laid down his life. He was a sacri- willing sacrifice for redemption for us and then that he rose from the dead. And so those are the the elements that you're kind of bringing into the gospel. And you don't want to, not that you have to, and every single time that you bring up the gospel with your kids, you need to uh, bring up every single one of those elements, but you need to actually be aware and be conscious of the fact that those are the four elements in the gospel. And so you need to talk about God, Christ's life, but then you need to also talk about the fact that he sacrificed, that he died, that redeemed, and then you don't leave him dead. You you talk about the fact that he rose from the dead. He did. He did. And we're going to actually give some some really practical ways that to, to kind of demystify how you share that, how you walk that out with your daily life. But before we do that, I want to also deal with the Great Commission because the Great Commission, those are our marching orders. Those are, that was a command given in Matthew 28, where we are, that's all believers. We are told to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples and 
And we're told in another place that we start Jerusalem, Judea, the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's where we really come down with your marching orders. Every, if you know Jesus, you are supposed to be telling other people about him and making disciples. Your Jerusalem is right there within the four walls of your home. So the, the work that you're doing there, the kingdom significance of the work that you're doing as a parent, as a home educator, as a mom or dad who is intentionally investing in your children, the kingdom significance of that cannot be overstated. Well, and I think a lot of people overlook that, right? I mean, they completely skip over the home when they're talking about the Great Commission and they end up going to, you know, the 1040 window, right? Right. Which is maybe another term that not everybody knows. That is the restricted access countries that are actually in the 10th and I think it's the 40th parallel. And it's, it's those Muslim countries that are close to the equator. And that's where people go immediately. They go, when they start talking about the gospel, they immediately start talking about these unreached areas and they're a long ways away. They don't think about the home. Right. And they kind of skip over that. Right, right. So now I want to transition. I want to really look at how does this look? What can parents do to make sure that they are infusing their homes with the gospel, that they are recognizing that the Great Commission starts at home? And, and as we were talking, we came up with like seven really practical steps that that parents can do that will be transformational, not just for you as a parent, but also for your children and the generational impact of this is massive because that's how God set up families to function. What we do now is impacting our children and our children's children and generations to follow. So this is really important stuff. So I wanted to kind of dive in. The first thing that that we had really talked about, the only way that the Great Commission can start at home is if you as a parent know what the Bible says. You've got to be in God's word regularly. I would say daily, but regularly at least. First Peter tells us that we are supposed to be ready to give an answer. And if there's anything that our children are good at, it's asking questions. So we have got to be ready to give an answer. So we've got to know what the gospel is, but we've also got to know what the gospel isn't. Because I think that there's been a big, I know, I know that there has been a big confusion about what the gospel isn't. And the carnage of that has been really far reaching. Well, and it's and there's also a part of this that it's not just about knowledge. It is about your own heart and it's changing who you are. Well, exactly. And as you get, as you're in God's word and you see more and more what the gospel is, what living life, the way that God's word says to, which we'll actually talks out, talk about a little bit more, we see that the gospel is not a set of checklists. It is not a legalistic system. There is nothing that you can do to work your way to salvation. The Bible is very, very clear that salvation comes through grace alone and faith alone. And when we add grace and faith to a whole list of things that other people should be able to see, we are adding to the gospel. And that is so damaging to our children and actually to our own hearts, because there are a lot of confused adults because of this as well. But for our children, we're actually putting a barrier in the way of them coming to Jesus because because now we're adding what Jesus has done to what they will do to prove themselves worthy. And that is not biblical. Hold that thought. We will be right back after a short break. 
No. And there's another, and we reference this story on a regular basis. When we talk about suffer the little children come to me, there's another story. It's actually that particular story is in three of the gospels, but the one that I'm particularly talking about is in Mark 9. And it talks about how the disciples actually held the parents back. They allowed the Pharisees to come in. They allowed a rich man to come in and talk to Jesus Christ, but they held the parents back that wanted to bring their children to Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ saw that, this is the only place where the Bible actually says that Jesus Christ, when he saw that the disciples were doing that, he was indignant and he was angry. And there's not many occasions in the Bible where it actually says Jesus Christ was angry. And so this is an important case. This is the word that is used there for indignant is exactly the same word that that it talks about where Jesus looked at the Pharisees in anger because they were giving him a hard time for healing the man on the Sabbath. They like set Jesus Christ up as, you know, there's there's a several occasions of them doing this, but they set Jesus up and he was in a synagogue and it was on the Sabbath and Jesus Christ made the decision to heal this man. And before he healed the man on the Sabbath, he looked at the Pharisees in anger. It's the same word as what he used for indignant, talking about the disciples holding back the parents. And so this is a very serious thing. You are not to hold your children back from Jesus Christ. You're actually supposed to be the one bringing them to Jesus. Right. And definitely not putting not putting any barriers in the way to them getting there. So understanding what God's word says and knowing that personally so that you are ready to give an answer is really the first thing, the, the foundational thing that parents need to do who know Jesus already and are wanting to to infuse their home with the gospel, recognizing that the Great Commission starts at home. The second thing that I want to encourage you with is to talk about things of the Lord. Those conversations in the in-between times that we talk about all the time, those are really the the money times, the the times that are so golden for introducing these things to your children. So being intentional and using every opportunity that you have to infuse Jesus into the conversation to help them understand that he is a loving father who wants the best for them. To, to talk about the things that Jesus is doing. That is those conversations, that natural discussion that happens with your kids goes so far towards helping them see Jesus as who he is. And it just opens the door for gospel conversations in amazing ways. And, and this doesn't have to be overly complicated. This can be a really simple process where it's just simply you asking a question. Maybe your child is struggling with a particular question or what they should be doing or a direction. And you guys are, are and they're coming to you and they're asking for advice. And you give them your advice, but then you follow up. You make a point to follow up by saying, what do you think God wants you to do? It's it's a very simple process that you are intentional in actually bringing into the conversation. And it could be also praying before you go to church on Sunday. That could be a very easy way to bring all this stuff into the conversation as well. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to do. Well, yeah. And, you know, very practically for homeschooling families, as you are studying science or math or history, there are literature. There are so many launch off spots for conversations that that go around to the power and the creativity and the glory 
and the wonder of our God and how good he is to direct circumstances or to give us the things that he has given us, the beauty, the many colors, the diversity, all of these things. These are jumping off spots for gospel conversations for a family, for a parent who is intentional and looking for those. So the second thing that that you've got to, to really engage in is just infusing your conversations with the things of the Lord. It's such a natural thing. And really, if you're doing number one, if you're in God's word daily, that overflows without you even thinking about it. Because the Holy Spirit, as he is transforming you from within, that naturally flows out into your conversation day in and day out. So that's number two. Uh, talk about things of the Lord. Number three is your walk talks. And, you know, we can't just give lip service to what we believe or what we're trying to pass on to our children. Our walk talks way louder than our talk talks. So we've got to live out our faith. And again, as you are living out your faith, as you are living a life the way that God has ordained for a believer to live their life, we are told to be holy as he is holy. We are told to be imitators of Christ. And I talk a lot about that in the the refocus on marriage uh, session that I'll be doing in in Pigeon Forge coming up, as well as in a number in every every parenting one, the prayer one, imitators of Christ. You have to know Christ in order to imitate Him. So as we are imitators of Christ, we will live out our faith, and the gospel will just pour out of every pore of our body. It will be infused into everything that we do very naturally. And it's your kids are paying attention. Absolutely, they are definitely paying attention even when you think that they are not they are definitely paying attention and i actually believe that this is probably one of the most powerful elements i actually think this is the most powerful element of discipleship is actually your your kids seeing what you're doing and modeling what you're doing it it this this is really where it's at yeah oh for sure for sure because your words have power but when your words are matched with actions that back it up that is an incredibly powerful impactful thing and you're planting seeds all along the way that god will will continue to give root to and you know just kind of jumping off a little bit when we're talking about or i mentioned this in the teach them diligently book when you talk about train up a child in the way he should go that train up a child is pounding in like a stake. It's like giving them something like they can hold on to. So even as let's say they're a tomato plant, you know, you hang it, you, you put it on a stake, right? You drive that stake into the ground. Even as those tomato plants get heavy and they start to pull away on it, that stake holds. And that's what we're doing as we talk about and live out our faith. We are driving that stake into the ground so that they're given an anchor, something that is deeply rooted that even when they get older and they start kind of asking questions and we're going to actually deal with questions here in a minute, but they start pulling and tugging on that just a little bit. We want to give them something that is so deeply buried in the ground that they cannot pull it down. And that is our job as parents. And that is how the Great Commission really shows up within our homes. So your walk talks, living out your faith is number three. Number four is is one that I want to inject here because it's it's really important, and that is trust God's word. Trust that the good news of the gospel is powerful enough to extend to your kiddos. So many families allow this to become a source of anxiety for them. And this is something that we should take very, very seriously, that that our children come to know the Lord, that we are doing everything that we can to present Jesus to them and the gospel, the good news to them as often and in as many ways as we can. And then we need to trust that God is faithful to answer those prayers and that he is at work. 
and not allow that to to make us fret and worry. And, you know, fear will make you clam up. It'll make you do dumb things. It'll make you be reactionary instead of proactive. So trust God. Don't allow fear to overrun you in this in this area. And and I think that that we don't realize just how big fear is. Sometimes we think that we are not acting in fear and we're we we actually are. Yeah. And we're afraid of what the circumstances are. We're afraid the kids are going to get angry at us. We're afraid they're going to roll eyes at us. We're afraid that I mean, it's there's an endless list. And I think this is something that needs to be fought against. And you need to be bold. And sometimes boldness, it, it involves you actually pushing a little bit. And uh, especially with your kids, especially with your teenagers. And the other thing is trusting the Lord. When your kids are younger, you have a lot more control over what they do and what they say and what time they get up in the, the morning, what time they go to sleep at night. You have a lot more control. As your kids get older, that control starts to dissipate a little bit. And what you realize, it, there there comes a point where prayer is what you got and you have to trust in the Lord. Absolutely. And, you know, parenting is an incredibly sanctifying experience. It brings us to our knees. It teaches us to trust God in ways that we never imagined that we would have to trust. That's honestly, if you have not listened to the the Powerful Prayer for Parents session, if you're in 365, download that because it's going to give you a lot of, of really practical insights into praying scripture for your children and how that's going to overflow into what you do day in and day day out. But ultimately, you are responsible for presenting this to your children. You are you are responsible for giving them the truth about Jesus and pointing them to him and living your life in such a way that is not a hindrance to them coming to Jesus. But you are not responsible for them accepting it. You've got to trust God that he will do a work in their hearts. And when you try to make that your own mission in life to save your kids, a lot of a lot of bad things can happen because there's manipulation. There's questions that come in. There's pushing in ways that our kids, you know, they're they'll submit and make a decision on something that they aren't really believing. And so we want to be careful that we are trusting that God is at work and that we are doing our part in that mission, but leaving the the fruit to God alone. So that's number four, trusting God's word. Number five is never assume that they know it. You know, so many parents that I talk to assume that having their kids in church or Sunday school or youth group or whatever is enough. And the fact of the matter is that you as the parent are the one who is called to present the gospel to them, not your youth pastor, not your youth pastor, not your Sunday school teacher. Those people are called to reinforce what they're learning at home, but ultimately you are are the one that is called to make sure that they know and fully understand and have a great model for what the gospel looks like. You can't blame the church either, right? You can't blame, you know, the the other people that are around. This is this is on you. This is something that you need to take control of. This is something that you need to seize. You need to seize the opportunity that God has given you. And the other thing is, in talking about trust, you need to take joy and rest in the fact that God delights in using his people. You know, there's another miracle in the Bible that I, I've talked about in the past, and it's the feeding of the 5,000. And when Jesus Christ blessed and thanked God for the little fish and the bread, he handed it to the disciples to give to the people that were sitting on the ground. He had already in the Old Testament fed a multitude of people without any other help. Right. He used manna and he just dropped it from the sky. He could have done that in the feeding of the 5,000, but Jesus Christ 
chose in his wisdom to hand that to the disciples. And I think that's the model of the way this thing is supposed to work. This is the way discipleship works. God delights in using his people and he's put you in the position to be the disciple or the main disciple of your kids. And you need to take advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. And and kind of a piggyback on that, as you are never assuming that they that they know what the gospel is or or what the Bible says, we have got to make sure that we are always available to answer tough questions and not shy away from those. And also we can't be freaking out when they ask us questions that make us really uncomfortable, because I guarantee you, your children, as they get older, are going to ask you questions that are going to freak you out inside. And that is where you have got to pray that God will give you wisdom, that he will give you patience, that he will guard your tongue and your heart, and that you will be able to engage with them to help them work through those questions, those those challenges that they are having to overcome, because that's all part of them making their faith their own. And so when you just put up a wall and you don't you just, you know, get on to them for asking tough questions or uncomfortable questions or heretical questions, which they may very well ask you, you are in effect shutting the door on that and giving Satan free reign to really water that little seed of doubt that he's already put in there rather than helping them learn to think biblically and work their way through it so that they will have a Loctite faith of their own. So if we are not available to answer those tough questions, we are shortchanging the gospel within our home. And we want to have that back and forth with them. I would be a lot more worried, and I am a lot more worried about our children when they clam up, when they don't talk, when they don't ask questions, when they don't come to us and ask for advice, when they just kind of accept things and they quit talking. That's when I get really nervous. And so you want them coming to you. But I would say that that there is a little bit of fear that's involved in some of this for some parents because they feel like that they have to have the perfect answer at all times. And there is no prerequisite for you to be perfect in the way you answer these. It's okay to say, I don't know, go find the answer and then come back to them. All of this is okay. It's okay to say, well, let's study that out together. Right. And then you spend time, you know, maybe you meet with them once a week and you kind of work through verse on top of verse on top of verse, going through that issue that they asked a question about. There's a lot of ways to to tackle this. But my main point is, is that don't feel like you have to be perfect and don't feel like you have to have all all the answers immediately when they ask you questions. And also you want them asking questions. You don't want them clamming up. Right. And you don't want them going somewhere else to find them. That's right. Certainly don't want them asking chat GPT. <laughs> what, you know, these challenging faith questions. We want them coming to us. And therefore, we have got to be very diligent that we keep those doors of communication open. And we never assume that they know things or that they fully understood things. We are always willing to engage in those conversations and be proactive in helping them make that faith their own. Yeah. So that's the next one. The sixth thing is to be looking for spiritual growth and signs of true conversion. This is this is all part of that. You know, Mark 1, we're told that true conversion includes repentance and belief. So as we are raising our children, are we seeing those things? Are we seeing a change from the old man, as First Corinthians tells us, the, the sinful just living in being content in our sin? Man, has there been that repentance and do we see that belief? 
because those those are signs of true conversion. And ask God to give you wisdom, to give you insight into their hearts so that you have, you're able to, to discern those things. Another thing that I would encourage you, actually from the Teach Them Diligently book that I wrote, I go through an entire chapter where I look in First and Second Timothy and I give what I call a rubric because I'm a homeschool mom. So a rubric for spiritual growth in our kiddos. And that's a really great place to start. It's different things that Paul is telling Timothy that he has seen in his life as he has grown that we can look for in our children's lives to see the progression of their spiritual walk. And it, man, when I discovered that, I like had revival in my chair because God brought to mind so many ways that I could see those things in our kids that I was missing before. And so I encourage you to get the Teach Them Diligently book and look at that rubric because it's going to give you a lot of direction for seeing how your children are growing. Uh, he's just like, mm, he's over there. Well, I, and I, I think, again, it, it, repentance is not perfection, right. right? And so when when you, when you we talk about seeing repentance in your kids, we're not saying that they're sinless. We're not saying that they're absolutely perfect. What we're saying is, is that God has actually put his finger on something in that child's life and, and said, I want you to give this up. And the child has been willing to give it up. And it could be anything. It could be stubbornness. It could be some sort of addiction. It could be... I don't know. It could be anything, but your child's not going to be perfect. Repentance is not perfection, but you will see a difference in them. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So we are down to our last one, and that is kind of the the launch off spot. You are the primary person. This is where discipleship kicks in. Help your child grow in their faith. We are making disciples within our home. So we are to, to again, a lot of these same principles, model for them what a Christian life looks like. Be in God's word daily so you're teaching them what God's word says, equipping them to stand on their own, giving them a sure foundation for their faith. This is where all of that stuff takes legs. Or, or gets legs and they start growing in their own walk as we are helping them by discipling them, shepherding their hearts, doing everything that we talk about so much here at Teach Them Diligently. And that can look at a lot of different ways. It's it's your leadership in the home. It's mom and dad showing what a godly marriage looks like, showing how Christian adults live, how they make decisions, what prayer looks like, bringing your kids in on what God is doing praying with them, letting them see God's hand at work, giving them different opportunities to serve, to actually be God's hand and feet in the community around them, teaching them practically how to apply the truths that they've learned and showing them, again, in your daily life, in your science lessons, your history lessons, your literature, what biblical principles look like practically. Because as a homeschooling parent on mission, you have a thousand opportunities every single day to do this, to disciple your children. And it just takes intentionality and praying that God will open your eyes to see those things. I, I think we should reiterate the seven. Well, since we're 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 out of time, but I do want to give you give you these seven things again. First of all, to recognize that the Great Commission starts in the home. To put this into place, you've got to first of all know what the Bible says, being God's word daily. To talk about the things of the Lord, those conversations in the in between times are so so powerful. Three, remember that your walk talks. Your talk talks, but your walk talks a lot louder. So live out your faith day in and day out. Number four is trust God's word. Recognize that it is God who does the work. He does the work of conversion. You as a parent are responsible for presenting those truths to your children and, and creating an atmosphere where they are not hindered from coming to Jesus. 
Number five, never assume that they know it. Don't outsource the gospel to anyone else. You are the primary source of the gospel for your children. Number six, look for spiritual growth and signs of true conversion. And then number seven, help your children grow in their faith. I pray that these truths are transformational for your family. I really, I would love to talk to you more about these in Pigeon Forge. If you're coming, I would love to see you there. David would love to see you there. I talk about them all the time in Teach Them Diligently 365. So I would love to connect with you there as well. Uh, We do a lot of office hours uh, where we actually pose questions, you know, specific examples from people's lives. And we discuss those things. So, so, so helpful. But just never forget the Great Commission truly does start in the home. And as a parent, It is your job, it is your responsibility, and it is your privilege to be the primary source of gospel truth presented to your children. So make a point to do that day in and day out. And I believe that you'll see a massive difference in your own life and in your children's lives as well that I pray will be reproduced generation after generation. Have a great rest of your day, and we look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining me today. It's my prayer that every episode of the Homeschooling Families podcast helps to strengthen your family by giving you biblical and practical ways to raise your children and educate them well. We'd love to engage with you more. So check out teachthemdiligently.net to find out about the resources and experiences we offer Christian homeschooling families like yours all year long. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and a whole lot more. Mm-hmm.